Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for his church. It is our hope with the show that we will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are thankful and excited you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined with my co-host, as always, with my brother, friend, and pastor, Eric Moran. How are you doing today, brother? Doing well, brother. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. I'm trying to, I'm really starting to lean into that, as always, thing. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it, so I guess, I mean, hopefully someone else enjoys it, but I don't know. Maybe it's just for me. A little bit of selfishness inside of doing the show, but I still have fun doing it. Amen. So, uh... Today on the on the tension, we will be discussing uh, the two subjects of sacred and secular. But before we get started, I always like to ask you if you have any thoughts before we before we get started today. Most time, you have some quip or something when I put things in in front of the audience. You're like, well, "This sounds kind of judgmental." And uh... well, what I was thinking actually, <laughs> now that he brings it up, is you know sometimes he's up and sometimes he's down. Like last yeah. week, he's like falling asleep and barely, tired, and now today he's all like, "Yeah, I love this stuff." And um, today he's up. We're just yeah. gonna go with that. Yeah, I'm awake today. Where I, like you were, you were totally right. You even called me out at church. He asked a question. And he was looking around, and he saw me, and he was like, "You should have stayed home." And I was like, "Man, I love that encouragement. It's just so good." All right, so. I guess we'll go ahead and get uh, started out, and I will ask you, sir, how should we view these two ideologies in right relationship, and what should be our general understanding of these two? Okay, so today's subject is uh, secular. Sacred, sacred and sacred. secular. Right, right, right. I already said that, didn't I? I don't think so. So think I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to the title, and if we go back and listen to it and I missed it, I will take all the credit for it, but... The two things we are putting into tension, I believe, are secular okay. and sacred. Me and the audience know the truth, and I'm and and we will find out. Any, I, I, I may be wrong. I, my memory is definitely my I, weakest. I'm probably wrong. Okay, either way, <laughs> all I do know is it's important for us to know what we're talking about when we put them in tension. Yeah, I'm so, pretty sure that's well, whatever. You probably did. Go all ahead. right. So here's the thing: we've got uh, sacred, which once again is something that uh, leads you to the understanding of God. And it's easier to really define as far as in the world we live in. The culture that we live in here in the United States is a secular culture, which if you just look it up on Google, it's going to say denoting attitudes, activities, or other things that have no religious or spiritual basis. It's Mm -hmm. contrasted with sacred. So sacred would be the opposite. It would be attitudes, activities, and things that are religious and have a spiritual basis. Mm -hmm. And this gets back to trying to put things in tension because we were created for a flesh and spirit life in right relationship with God. And when we look at that, you know, three, but yet one and equal and right relationship of the truth that God has come to me known and available, uh, this is where people have bifurcated or separated these things out as a secular culture. It means a culture that does not have a religious or spiritual basis. Um, but it's a contradiction in terms, because I mean, if you go and turn on, your television set or go to Walmart and look at the DVD section, you're going to see vampires and witches and all the different things that have a spiritual basis, but yet they would claim to be a secular society. Um, One other one here is just the Webster dictionary. It says secular means quote unquote of or relating to the physical world and not the spiritual world Mm. or not religious. So that's just kind of a, a general definition as far as where we start from. 
Well, that's good. I mean, we we definitely do need to know. I know that I, and what's interesting because I know we'll get there eventually inside of the conversation, but because I'm having a hard time. But well, you told me earlier you were saying that we can have something that is technically s- sacred to us, but we would like a Christian would say that's secular. So like, cause that's what I was, that's probably the most trouble I was having with this is cause like, you know, ball worship and stuff like that. I would consider that secular, you know, but I guess when we actually think about it, it's, it's sacred because it is to that person by the definition of the word. Yeah. By the definition, if it of has the word. spiritual basis, it would be sacred unto that person. So right. we, we may, claim certain things differently than them. Right. But it doesn't mean that that necessarily negates their worship or their love of, and we, and that's where the both and becomes really, really important. Yeah. It actually makes me think of AA where they basically say, you just have to have like a God. You don't have to, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be Yahweh or, or Baal or anything like that. I remember my buddy coming out of AA and telling me that like some people had chosen their doorknob, you know, to be their, god or whatever in in that kind of thing and i was just thinking to myself i was like that's kind of it's really odd but i guess it, based upon the definition it would be considered sacred if they actually believed that i don't know well not only definition at that point you're looking at the motive and the motive of aa is to take people that may not have any religious affiliation they may be a secular individual with a secular right. worldview but you're trying to invite them into um, you have to know that there is a higher power, I think right. is one of their first yeah. things. And so that higher power, you're saying, okay, there is a religious or spiritual bi- uh, basis to this. We're going to invite everyone into it. So it's going to have this universalist e- explanation to it. And we could look at that and say, oh, that's a secular approach to God, but it's at least a bridge to lead them to the fulfillment of the God of the Bible, because at least now they're thinking on a religious sacred ground um so it's actually a lot of things are 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 for us that many christians would say oh that's a bad thing well it's the first thing that had to happen for you to be able to have a door onto the conversation because if the person had never been around something they considered sacred you have a hard time explaining what sacred was yeah but now that they go to aa they get some help by being around others they understand communion they Mm -hmm. understand the fact that there is a higher power and then you say hey well let me introduce you to the father the son and what that means inside of the communion of the spirit and and it gives you as a as as a believer it gives you a place to start yeah well i mean which is good everybody needs a place to start i mean that's what i always tell people and i know i use this analogy a lot but we're going to use it again um it's the same thing with like playing an instrument you know people will watch me play the guitar and they're like man i wish i could play the guitar and da 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 but you know bb king somebody asked him how he got so good at playing the guitar and he just said i simply i just held it all the time so i mean Picking the instrument up is, you know, is the door into that you walk into into learning how to do it. Yeah, there is certain things that you have to learn and all that good stuff. But shouldn't I guess in a, in a sense we shouldn't really hate on anybody for opening the door, at least being open to the conversation instead of completely and totally separated from it. And my encouragement is this: that we need to understand what we're trying to share with someone else continues to go on inside of us because God reigns does not mean we don't reside in our flesh and our flesh has certain wants and needs. And what I did write down as far as for today is when you look at sacred and secular, um, 
Calvin and the Institutes of Religion, yeah. his very first point is to know yourself, is to know God, and to know God is to know yourself. Right. What he just said there is to know the sacred, you have to know the secular, mm -hmm. and to know the secular, you're going to have to know the sacred. Right. Or else you really don't know either one of them because they were created for relationship. They were created for attention. Oh. But if you keep them separate, then you, you get to play a game that's not true. But when you do bring them together, if we look at sacred being... By God's definition, if we look at sacred being the light, mm -hmm. then the opposite would be the secular being the darkness. Right. So the light would be order and fulfillment, mm -hmm. and then the darkness would be chaos and a vacuum. Yeah. Now, are you living a life in a chaotic world mm -hmm. that'll suck it out of you if you don't have an answer with order that has already been fulfilled? Yes. When you bring them together, the answer is yes, right? So if we look at love, and the opposite of love isn't hate, the opposite of love is indifference. Yeah. Do you live in a world that's really indifferent on what happens to Mick? Mm, no. The answer is yes. They, <laughs> they could care less. So inside of that, it may make you hate the world, but the world doesn't necessarily hate you because it doesn't care about you. Yeah. So which is true. Hating is when you still love it. It's just not doing what you want it to do. So when you hate this world, it's actually the love of God calling out the hatred of what you were created for in the sacred. On the stage of the secular. Hmm, that's interesting. And as we bring them into tension, I mean, that's the importance is in, inside of right communion, cornania, fellowship with, mm -hmm. with God. He's saying, I am God. That's either true or false. Right. I'm a polemic. Yeah. If you agree with my polemic and you start to see it about God, mm -hmm. Yahweh, you're going to start to see this separated world and all of your failures as a story being invited into a story that answers all the questions. Yeah. So then the fulfillment in the order starts to be placed, and then your gospel becomes one you're preaching to yourself, and an overflow of that would be applying it to others. Mm -hmm. um, life and death. Without him, this is my only life, and that would be secular. Right. All right, but as soon as I understand spiritual life, sacred life, mm -hmm. then the sacred life has been given to me to interject into the secular world about mm -hmm. the death of which it actually is without it. Right. But I don't have that story mm -hmm. until I have the new story, until I have the reconnection rebirth. Right. So when you look at um, the gift giver versus the gift taker, mm -hmm. right, everything in this world is going to take from you until the day that you give up your breath. And it'll probably still take from you, taxes and stuff. Uh, your your money's going to be stolen from you. Your age is going to be stolen from you. The people that you love is going to be stolen from you. Because yep. if you outlive them, they're going before you, but mm -hmm. we're all going to die. Mm -hmm. This is a world of take, 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 take. Yeah. If you say, oh, I'm secular and I don't believe in this sacred God, the only thing you've got is take, 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 yeah. despair, despair, depression, all of, all of what, what we want to diagnose people having mm -hmm. is because they're not falling in love with the answer that's available right. because they want to be the God of their own understanding. Yeah, that makes sense. So as far as the tension, the tension to me is not only easy, but it's important. And it's important and it's easy. Um, God never called us to do anything difficult. God called us to come like a child and trust him. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, so I'm like thinking, thinking all that stuff through there. So it kind of goes back to the order and chaos episode where you're saying that the world is basically the stage upon which we understand secular and sacred, right? Would that, would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Because I'm, well, I'm just saying, because this is this this is the stage that you're in. So, but but inside of that design, when you look at it, if you have either or, um, you either have the chaos and you're 
void of the order that could be in, you know, that you could see dem- demonstrated throughout the world. Like Romans eight says, you know, Romans eight says that we, you know, the glories of God are all made known throughout creation. Isn't that, isn't that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that, with that being said, the, the chaos and the order secular and sacred almost in a, in a sense, you know, because the secular is void of anything sacred, then obviously that would be the representation of chaos. And then if you don't have any sacred, any sacred understanding, then all you're going to have is that vacuum and that void. So only thing you can do is take from that. There is no, I give because I'm seated outside of the outside of the world. I'm operating from the third heavens, not from the first heavens. All you have is this physical world, this physical life, and it's fleeting from you. So of course, all you're going to want to do is take, take, take until it takes it all away from you. And all the way at the beginning in Genesis one, Tob and Ra, good and evil, good is um, performing it for the creating the wait, performing the function for yeah, which you were created. created. Yeah. He had it, no, yeah. and and then the yeah. opposite evil would be not doing that. Okay, not performing the function for which you were created. <laughs> not doing that. He's in a good mood. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Now, with that said, listen to First John. And this is the the disciple that Jesus loved, the one that laid on him during the Passover, the youngest of them all, the one that didn't get martyred, but was boiled in order in oil in order to continue writing. So it wasn't an easy life. He also beat Peter in a race. He did beat Peter in a race, but Peter would tell you that he was younger than him. So he did have an excuse. All right. Here's the thing, though. In 1 John, this is him writing to, oh, my little children, I'm now an older man. I'm about to go the way of the Lord. In 1 John 1 five probably through eight or nine is this five says this is the esv this is the message we heard from him and proclaimed to you okay so this is firsthand memory that mm-hmm. i'm sharing with you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all mm-hmm. now how many of us would we would say hey god is and god is love god is spirit yeah. god is god is light and there's no darkness in him is his main point just like john 1 1 in the gospel he's driving you back all the way to the beginning mm-hmm. To where from the beginning, God is order. God is the fulfillment. Right. And in him is no disorder or dissatisfaction Mm. and no vacuum. That's good. So instead of this world sucking from you, you are either a giver or a taker. Mm. You're a giver if you are performing the function for which which you were created, which is you are the kingdom of light. Mm Mm-hmm. Or you are a taker because you are in the kingdom of darkness and there's something in you that demands what other people have. Mm. And it's a hunger and a thirst for what others have because you're your own God. Right. Versus sacrificing yourself for God and others. And we see that compare and contrast. But either way, I'm going to keep going in, in five and six. I've, I've, I've really spent a lot of time in these verses, so I'll, I'll, I'll try and speed it up. I can tell. All right. Either way. This is the message we heard that I remember, and before I die, I want to write this down, that God is light and there's no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship, cornonia with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. All right, so if I say I have cornonia, I have fellowship with God, Mm -hmm. while I walk inside of not having answers, inside of the chaos, always feeling dissatisfied, having a spirit of angst, always being dictated by fear, then I don't have the spirit of love, power, and self-control. I don't understand that everything has already been done for me. I need to refocus, return, repent, 
mm-hmm. to where I can then turn and gaze on what? The fulfillment through Jesus Christ that all things have been accomplished, that I already received more than I've ever deserved, that there is a Father that actually loves me. Mm-hmm. And then I get to move into an assurance versus this unknown. Because if I don't do that, I'm not practicing the truth of who God is. Right. So see, it has just as much to do... And, and, to know God, you have to know yourself, and to know yourself, you have to know God. And yeah. there's this junk that says, it doesn't really matter if you know yourself, God's still God. Right. But God made this whole creation so that he could be known mm-hmm. by those that are his. Mm-hmm. So if you're his, and you choose not to enter into this both and, this tension right. of what's wrong with you is wrong with you for you. Mm. It's for you to know what the first Adam is and was like. Mm-hmm. so that you can properly love who you're becoming and who God always has been. Right. So it goes from an eternal, it goes from a finite, limited vacuum with no answers, unknown chaos, mm-hmm. to a eternally secured, always been about him, reuniting, reestablishing the life that was lost to where you can practice the truth, believing in him. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have cornania with each other we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin Mm -hmm. so it says if i understand that i am in the fulfillment that i am around my brothers and sisters that this whole world is a stage for god to prove who he is to those that know him Mm. that i start to understand that that's the fellowship walk in the light as he is in the light okay so he would be jesus right walking in the light as our image bear our example. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus walked in the gaze of the father every moment he was here. Mm-hmm. Go back and read it. I yeah. only look and listen for what the father would have me do. I do nothing of my own accord. Why do you call me good? I'm here to tell you how good the father is. Mm-hmm. So what should that look like for us as this being the stage with the father and the son's finished work shining a light on us? If you think of a black stage mm-hmm. and then bam, there's the, there's the spotlight. Yeah. Right. You're in the, you walk out and you're in the middle of it. Yeah. All right. Now, when you say that you're a believer, you are casting or taking on the name of Yahweh and Jesus, the Messiah, whom he sent. That's mm-hmm. eternal life. Right. I'm offering you eternal life because of this relationship. And now I am going to be held to that standard, right. both by God and by others and the heavenly hosts that are watching, yearning to see what happens next. Correct. All right. So my life just got a lot bigger if I realize the stage that I'm on. Mm-hmm. But if I walk on that stage the same way Jesus Christ walked on that stage, I would give up my childish thinking and I would become a mature believer because the finished work would have applied to my life to where I have a new story. Hmm. I don't have to forget my old story. Right. It fulfilled my old story and gave order to my old story. I don't right. have to hide. I don't have to be a hypocrite. I don't have to lie that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But now I get to say, oh, I was and still am. But let me tell you about what he's done because of who he's made me. Mm-hmm. And that gets back into the sinner saved. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, The saint that continues to sin mm-hmm. because it says down here, if you say you don't sin, you're a liar. Right. All right, so we'll continue right here instead of me babbling on with that. But either way, I mean, the blood of Christ cleanses you because his payment matters to you. Right, so it's the, it is the, it's the, the knowledge or the wisdom of knowing that the truth of God, you know, that, that either or, either he's God or is not, and what he's presenting to us inside of the story, inside of the world and the stage to us becomes the both and I was a sinner, you know, 
then I was saved by grace. Now I am in the living out. My identity is saint seated in the, in the third heavens. But at the same time, I still fall short and I still struggle, but I am the moon reflecting the, the light and the power and the, the brilliance and the, the, the God of this world, the living God and, and his son who was the perfect reflection of that as well. So now it's, we're all we're doing is pointing to pointing or pointing and reflecting back to the back to the the true God and saying because of everything because of where I where I was and now where I am, I'm inside of that story. I'm inside of that fulfillment. It's not just it's not void and empty anymore. I'm not in the vacuum anymore because I am alive in Christ and His work is fulfilled and finished. Yes, no, maybe. Yes, and in First Corinthians four, as you're saying that. It says he's, he's he's writing to Timothy and he's talking about how he's a beloved and faithful child and he mm-hmm. says, "Listen, I'm I'm trying to remind you of the ways in the Messiah, and I teach these everywhere that I go to the church." And and what he's saying to him is this: that a lot of people have fathers on in the earth, but he says, "I became your spiritual father." Up in verse fifteen, through what Jesus has done, which is the gospel, the good news. That's why I urge you then to be imitators of me. Mm. Because if you'll imitate me, then I'll remind you of the ways that Christ has taught me to where, here, here's the thing, you have one teacher, and that's the Holy Spirit. You have one right. God, and that's the Father. Mm-hmm. You have one Messiah bridge maker, which is Jesus, mm-hmm. the Christ. Right. So when you enter into that, I'm not here to teach you anymore. I'm here to remind you of where I've been, mm-hmm. which then reminds me of who I am in others' lives, mm-hmm. because I continue to pursue everything I'm not, and it reminds me of how much he has done. Right. And, and it, 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 it ends up being that perichoresis, or it ends up being that dance of, I look to the Son for all the things he's accomplished through his faithfulness, his love, and obedience, mm-hmm. but it's only for the glory of the Father, because the Father is the one with the original plan that sent the Son to teach me who we are from the very beginning of the foundations. The question is, did... Yeah, I, I got myself into trouble here. <laughs> On another podcast, we can get into, was the fall... I hate using the word intended, because of course... God never intended for sin to separate us, but he fully knew all, he foreknew every way that it would go. Yeah. And if we're like playing odds, like 95% chance we're going to fall. Yeah. 5% chance is there. I'm not saying that God intended or, or directed it to go that way. Yeah. But he fully knew that sending Jesus Christ into our lives to understand by faith mm-hmm. is there. And that's because I got a marble rolling around the back of my head that I've been playing with it for a little while. But it goes back to the two uses of the deep sleep inside of Adam before then, sin and enters the Abram, world. Yeah. And then Abraham, when the first covenant was cut, both of those are saying, and then it took faith. Right. But it took faith before sin, mm-hmm. and it took faith after sin. Right. And God had to repair God because only God could make a way back to God because the payment had to be perfect because of the right. holiness. Right. But if the payment wouldn't have been made in, if the payment wouldn't have had to have been made in Genesis to reconnect us to be reborn, Mm -hmm. we would have still had to have had the same amount of faith before, because that same usage is there before the sin enters the world. We were still going to have to have that dependent faith. We were still going to have to know who we actually were inside the Godhead. We were still going to have to know that Jesus is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, 
the lesson still would have been the same. It just would have been taught different. Right. And so the fall wasn't intended. This, this, this is not intended by the father for it to be as horrible as it is. Right. But the lesson was going to be that part of the lesson, which is the truth mm-hmm. and the gospel. The gospel still would have been necessary without the fall, as, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He wouldn't have had to die. Right. He, he wouldn't have had to suffer. Right. That, that's our sin that created that. Right. But the Father's glory is still perfectly being made known the same way as it ever was, is my point. It's still an eternal plan, and God's glory has not been stolen. It's just been given for a purpose. He's getting it all back. Right. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think in any way that you slice it, you're never, you're never going to get out of, we need, well, I mean, we need God. We need faith in God and all the things that God has done. I don't, and the, <clears throat> the thinking about, of God knows everything has foreseen all, all possible ways that something can go. I don't think that we like, yeah, we can kind of, kind of understand a little bit or at least acknowledge that, but we don't understand it the way that, we say in words like this is not like the closest you'll ever get to that is like the Nicolas Cage movie next is like the closest you'll get to that where he stands in certain spots and he like goes and then he's like well that way doesn't work and that way doesn't work this way will work you know so it's kind of cool like an illustration to see in a sense but I don't think that we as finite human beings could ever really understand that to the depths of when we say it, you know, it's sort of like one of those things like, oh, yeah, I know. And it's like, no, you don't. I mean, you have an idea, but you don't know. There's a huge difference between actually doing something and then just being able to say, I kind of get the idea. Okay, so I never saw the movie. It, it's terrible. All right. Now, in, 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 without the Nicolas Cage thing. It's but, awful. <laughs> in the beginning, before the fall, <laughs> what were we talking about? We're talking about the tree of life. Yeah, and the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, and and in a garden. Mm-hmm. In Revelations twenty two, what yeah. are we talking about? The tree of life. Yeah, in a garden. Mm-hmm. Four rivers. Mm-hmm. Rivers in 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 Revelation. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that's different is there's a city in Revelation because mm-hmm. if we've all been given a garden that we understand, then that makes a city. But the, either way, the beginning and the okay. end of the Bible reveal the sovereign choice that the father's sovereign predestined will mm-hmm. can never be thwarted because yeah. that's the polemic. The foreknowledge yeah. is he knew all of the things that were openly given and I made an opportunity for choice. Mm-hmm. And he had his sovereign way of making his will come true regardless of the foreknown paths. Like you're, I guess yeah. saying yeah. in that movie, yeah, yeah. different ways you could turn. Um, Getting back to the secular and the sacred, if I'm a child of God, everything becomes sacred. Yes. Even though it's in a secular world. So now I'm in the secular world, but not of the yeah. secular world. And and that kind of just gives yeah. a little bit more clarity to what Jesus was, was referring to. Right. No, I mean, which I, to- which I totally agree. And like even myself, I've had to kind of, understand that especially with like going such a long time without being discipled or anything like that a lot of the times you know you're left to your to figure out things the best you can and the internet <clears throat> is a wonderful thing also at the same time it's a not a good thing like jumping on the uh calvin thing that you asked me about we're not going to go into it i'm just going to say that yes if you google it you do get some very conflicting reports about calvin 
<clears throat> some people will say he killed people. Other people say, well, I mean, it wasn't him who killed people. It was just like, you know, people got a little excited about what, what he taught. And then other people like, oh, no, he killed people. So, I mean, and I'm not going to speculate either way. But at the same time, too, with as much information that we have now, discernment is very important. And it's very important that you test a lot of things. But also at the same time, too, we do get a we do get a better overview of the story of everyone's story more than they did back in the day, because back in the day, information wasn't as on hand as easy as it is now. And my warning to that is this. Yes, we're further along. Yes, we have more tools and questions and teachings, but we are also a mile wide and an inch thick because everybody's got opinions. Yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis is one of the ones that made the recommendation to read two old books to every one new book because the old ones are lives that were lived, and you say, man, I wish that I had a relationship like that. And Mm -hmm. then you can bring what you learn from those voices into the current um, flow of information, which is all over the place. You go on the Internet, you can find find anything you want (laughs) to find, but the thing you're trying to look for, like I said before, is that red thread that if I listen to six... If I just click on this first six things that come up, they're going to have to deal with John Calvin preached a message that said you deserve death if you don't line up with this because you're dead already. Right. Now, how they heard that, what they processed, the way that that looks, look at the rest of Calvin's life and, you know, judge a tree by its fruit. And according to other scriptures, Mm -hmm. Calvin was a godly man and he did amazing things for the the, the believer that's pursuing a relationship with God. Right. is there things that you could pick out of his life the same way as every other Christian? Well, duh. Absolutely. And that, that's what it comes down to. The reason that I mentioned that at the end of the podcast was to see if Mick would go back and actually read those things. And then he'd be like, hey, man, I read that and I really didn't get a clear answer because that was what I was hoping to be able to put in front of everybody. You're not going to get cut and dry answers. You're going to get another piece of your filter. And then you're going to stay dependent on the Holy Spirit as your teacher to start bringing those things that you're filling your heart and mind with into right relationship because you're totally dependent on the Holy Spirit being the one that says, that leads you unto me, that leads you unto the kingdom, that leads you into an us and a we, not an I and a me. And the more you read, the more he has to challenge you in that right relationship, the, right. the we and the, the I, yeah. Well, and that's, and that's what I was trying to say. I think is one time <clears throat> I was doing a Bible study and I told some of the younger guys, you know, not to negate the, the internet, you know, like to check stuff out and, you know, Google it, all that good stuff or whatever. And one of the guys came up to me afterwards who was a little older, you know, in the faith or whatever. And he was like, uh, I really didn't like the fact that you recommended the internet. And I was like, why you don't think that they should run into other opinions you don't think that they should you know i mean i think that it's very important to have you can't just have one side of the story because you're eventually in going out and proclaiming and manifesting and teaching you're gonna run into somebody who goes oh i was well i've always been told this and you're and you have no idea how to you know i mean you're gonna get thrown a curveball and you're gonna be like well i've been practicing fastballs and change-ups and you're gonna. I mean, they'll, they'll they'll knock you down. So then it'll throw you in this whole other loop and whirlwind. And this, I think, that's what's led us into the deconstruction and all that stuff. Just because people weren't taking, making use of all the information that they had, and while they were learning, <clears throat> having counterpoints to kind of 
test, you know, test the spirits of them and really be taught by the Holy Spirit and kind of go down these different, different little paths and all that. And to be like, no, I kind of know where that leads. And that doesn't, that, that didn't help me. It helped me in a sense because it redirected my focus back onto the path I should be going on. Not this one over here. So it's not, it's not anything that was against them. I was saying it in a sense of like for them, but if you're searching for truth, well, I mean, we live in a day and age where you have people saying idiotic things like my truth, which makes no sense to me at all whatsoever, because that can't, that can't be true. It's either true or it's not. And my, not rebuttal, but my, my loving challenge to the person that was challenging, not referring someone to the internet is I hate that you live in that kind of fear that the Holy Spirit can't lead his children through the muck and the mire, because I mean, that's what the promise has always been. However, the church has gone through the motions and pretended to be better off than they were Mm -hmm. to where they came in. They read the Sunday school literature together the first time because nobody's read it and nobody really cares. We're just going to read these, you know, three pages and then we're going to ask some questions and everybody's going to say what they think about it. And then we're going to go to church. Right. And then he's going to preach a message as a paid professional. And then mm-hmm. if I mess up, it's my preacher's fault. Yeah. And, and so that that's we've done that for a long right. enough time to realize, okay, now nobody's coming because that didn't lead to change. It didn't lead to relationship. It didn't lead to life experiences that right. you're going to experience. So with that said, we've got tons of knowledge, but we have no wisdom. So you right. got a lot, you got all this knowledge, but you don't have people that have actually lived it and mm-hmm. then have lived it long enough to where when you talk to them, yeah, and I tried this, and oh my goodness, that went this way. And then, yeah, you, I, yep, you clicked on that. You know what happened when I did that? And and when you're around somebody like that, you say, I can trust this person because they've done it long enough, and they didn't have to quit, and they didn't have to run off, and God never gave up on them. And it, No, no, God wanted them to continue to test and purge their heart, to continue to see in their faithlessness he's faithful, to continue to yeah, see that man. in the— secular failure the sacred promise mm-hmm. is made known right and and more and more you become sacred and sacred not because all of a sudden i became god <laughs> no it was like i went man when i heard that yeah I, I didn't know what to do with it either and then i did this and this i mean peter even says so you've been reading paul good luck with that <laughs> now that doesn't mean that peter didn't fall in love and know paul's message right i don't know that he did but what i am saying is don't just stay in any one box because, hey, I'm a great hitter. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? You're talking about baseball analogy. Yeah, I can hit the curveball. <laughs> I can hit the fastball. Oh, yeah? Where'd you play? Little League. <laughs> yeah, okay, so like Little League to Senior League? Man, you know, I got out too many times in Senior League. I didn't really like Senior League. I quit Senior League. So you were a heck of a hitter. Yep. Yep. In my memories in Little League. Mm-hmm. All right, but your Christian faith is... And then I went to this level mm-hmm. and I was crushed. And yeah. here's all these miserable stories of how, but then yep. God allowed me to see this and this and this, and I grew. Right. And then I got pretty good. And then I had to go into high school baseball. Yep. And, and, and then, man, I was good enough. I was actually invited into college baseball. Mm-hmm. I was a six year senior plus a COVID year, but you know, I was 28 years old when I came out, <laughs> but. You know, I got picked up by AAA. Yeah. And and if that's your story, that's a real story. That's a life lived. Right. Being tried and tested. But if you're like, oh, nope, we only read this kind of person here. It's like, well, you're you're walling yourself off of the conversations that this group needs to have together. Now, right. 
I'm not saying that that group doesn't have a heartbeat that they all agree with and they stick within a certain traditional bent. Right. But if you're not willing to hear the voices of others because you're scared of it, then God didn't give you that spirit of fear. God gave you what you are and who you are so that you can step out and, and, and entertain and counter and have loving conversations with those that are right. different. Um, and it, say, say you, you're somewhere and you're listening to this and you don't have a home church or you're in a part of the United States, especially that doesn't even have churches and being in the Bible belt, that's kind of hard to imagine, but there's many places in the United States. Yeah. that's not true. I've read people that went to seminary overseas and their wife was like, you don't have any friends. He's like, Oh yeah, Jonathan Edwards and you know, John Owens. And she's like, no, no, no. I mean like real friends. He's like, no, no, no. Those are my real friends because when I read them, I'm reading them like they're my friends. They're, they're teaching me about the things that matter to them. And I'm listening to those books like they matter to me. And right. it is my friendship. It may not be flesh and blood, but this isn't flesh and blood. This is, waging war against spiritual things. So grab some of those old theologians and guess what's going to happen? They're going to use words you don't know. Yeah, they are. So then you're going to have to go, I don't know, to the internet, start Googling what yep. these words mean today. Mm -hmm. And guess what you're going to find? More information and yep. more information. Well, the wisdom is, okay, five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you'll have a totally different vocabulary. You'll understand what those things mean. But most of the stories are going to start out with, yeah, I didn't know what that word meant either. <laughs> well, I think that's the, and that's one of the things about stories in general. I mean, good stories have something for someone to overcome, like getting, you know, having to practice or, you know, run drills and stuff like that. You know, I mean, think of it as your montage moment in your own, in your own story. I mean, I, I, I always go, I always go to Rocky, man. I just, I just imagine, you know, in the meat locker beating, beating some cold meat with the, you're the best. All right. I don't know. I mean, I always, I always get super into it because I think, but, but you have the modern stories now that come out where people don't even, there is, they're just automatically awesome at everything. And it's like, they were just born to rock it and born to do it. People don't identify with that as much because most, the majority of the time it's a struggle. Anytime you're trying to progress and get better at something, even if you're naturally gifted at one thing, you're going to run into somebody else who goes, well, what about? And then you enter into the and then. So as as we are going, this life is about the and then because we are seated in a finished work that is done, reflecting that finished work and being being that voice proclaiming the same truth that was proclaimed two thousand years ago, still saying the same thing because it's the same message and it's a message that's universal to everyone. There is chaos in everyone's life, and we all want order, and we all we all need that compass to look to. And especially when we run out of our own strength to be able to do it in, and we are not faithful. He can show us that when we are, when, when we have our faithlessness, that's when his faithfulness is on display. And you say, in, in spite of all of these things, look what he's still doing in my life today. And that's to me, it's beautiful. I don't, I don't see how, I don't see how a lot of people aren't connected with that other than they just willfully don't want to be connected to it. And I could be wrong with this recommendation. I will go find out and Mick's going to have to remind me of my promise, but GK Chesterton, I want to say it was the book orthodoxy, but that's what I have to go check. He goes through this two pages that I remember the first time I read it, I read those, first, those two pages for like three days. 
and and it's like two solid pages of every Disney movie or every comic book or every fantasy movie or, or uh, any, any fantasy application or movie or, or comic that as a young child you could connect to, but then as an older man or woman you could connect to. Right. And he's saying they all are, you're part of a little world. Yeah. That is disgruntled and you don't know really what's going on and it's full of chaos and there's this vacuum. And then you enter into whether it be the witch's wardrobe, which that's, that's kind of a lean cause that's a Christian author, but ultimately it could be Peter Pan. It could be, you know, Pinocchio, Jordan Peterson, you know, builds this out inside of the things yeah. that he, he presents is, I mean, every one of these has this greater spiritual story that's eternally understood, even though you don't understand it inside of that though, you come back from where you're sucked into as a bigger person, as a matured person, understanding that there's more to life than there was before. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's that secular story or understanding of who you were then sucked into the sacred to where now you put them together and you've got a hundred percent man and a hundred percent spirit to where you can understand who Jesus is. Cause then we look at Jesus and Jesus is God who is struggling. And that's like, Okay, Jordan Peterson does do this about Superman. When Superman originally came out, mm -hmm. Superman hit the market. Batman was doing pretty good. Superman comes out, and he was Superman. He could turn the globe around backwards and oh, rewind yeah. time. And mm -hmm. so he was boring because yeah. he was pretty much God, mm -hmm. and God doesn't have any weaknesses. So God just is God, and then there's right. God again being God, and right. God wins, and hey, God wins again. Yeah. And then there was this back up oh, God. Yep. Superman did it again. And <laughs> and people were like, they, the, the reading of it went down because, okay, I got that. God wins. Yeah. All right. So then they started in, in you know, then there's green kryptonite and then there's red kryptonite, but they had to make that God understandable or connectable to our story. Right. Or else it becomes, okay, I got it. God's God. And, and I can understand that. Right. But it doesn't relate to me. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. There's no connection. So the weakness and the struggle is the connection. Mm -hmm. The kryptonite of this world, the secular kryptonite, mm -hmm. is what makes our sacred identity the story. Ah, yeah, and and, and you see that in Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the full image bearer of God, but he has to be weak and he has to suffer or else we can't connect to him. And, and then in his suffering, he's like, I know what you're thinking and this is the answer. You're like, dang it. <laughs> he still, I mean, and he stands up and calms the sea and they're like, he is God. It's like, it, so there's the element of both. Right. Well, is that the story you've been invited into? Because now that's supposed to be our story. We're supposed right. to be Christ-like to where Correct. people see and hear the truth that bleeds through our suffering and mm -hmm. our, our messed upness. Right. To where you don't have to pretend you're, like, you're not messed up, but they should continue to see you grow more and more so that you're encouraging them to be like the one you're imitating, imitate me. Right. Well, they, it's one of those things like, in in the chaos, in the chaos, we hold on to a tran transcendent hope that the order and the divine will of Yahweh is stronger than this chaos, and it will not be thwarted. And that's pretty much where where your identity, I mean, it's where my identity lies. It lies in everything that God has done, and beautifully, He has invited me into it. Definitely don't deserve that, but because of His grace and His mercy, the invitation has been extended. So the best that I can do is bear that name and be that reflection. And the only way I can do that is by taking the things that I have either learned or been taught 
putting them in tension. And then as I'm going and learning through other dead people or through the history of the church, you can see these things and you're like, oh man, I had that problem like two years ago. I didn't realize that that was a problem, you know, like six, seven, 800 years ago. And it's like, oh yeah, bro, this has been, it's pretty much a, it's a dance and we're doing it constantly all the time. And it's just, it didn't matter to you because you weren't a part of that time period, but it does matter to you because if you're not saved and you are lost, then you are your own, your own God. And when there is no, when you do finally run into kryptonite the first time, you're like, what, what am I supposed to do? How do I get out of this? I always win. It always works out the best for me. But you realize very quickly that that is not, that is not the world that we live in. If you are outside of a relationship with, with Christ. So I want to ask you, can someone think what they are doing is sacred and be sincerely mistaken? The answer, of course, is yes. And I think that everyone to some level has has that very thing happen to them. Um, you can be sincerely wrong. So yes. I think I think everyone has, you know, made a stand on this is what God has said and realized it may have been true, but the way you said it and the reason that you said it made, made it not sacred. It made it secular because you were trying to make it didn't have nothing to do with that spiritual basis. It had to do right. with me winning an argument. Right. Well, that makes it back to that secular or that weakness that is yearning to be fulfilled with the relationship that you may realize later inside of your, your growth. So it's not like that is even like bifurcated to the fact that, you know, I thought it was this and it was absolutely wrong. It could be partially, you know, the truth of God, but right. said in the wrong heart, mm -hmm. it, it ruins it because the the witness or the, 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 the relationships not lining up with the religion. And now true religion, according to James one is, you know, to take care of the orphan and, and the, the widow. Widows, yep. All right. But the, the underlying understanding of that is, is an orphan is one without a father and a widow is one without a husband. And the father is Yahweh and the husband is Jesus Christ. And I'm yep. his bride and I'm his child. And there's, there's a much deeper meaning to that as you play the story out. Mm -hmm. But, you may not know that yet. Right. You, know, you may be a young Christian, Christian, you've got certain things that you're standing on, and you may have been burned by this church, and now you're over at this church, and this is where you're at. There's nothing wrong with that. That's where you are. Mm -hmm. And to have the zeal and be excited, that's beautiful. Right. But you're still part of the experience. And yes, you're sincerely, I know this is sacred. You're probably going to re-raise some of it. You're going to I mean, yeah. write your theology in pencil. And, and, and as you do that, it makes you easier to be understood. Mm-hmm. It makes you humble in your application, gentle and humble in spirit. Yeah. And it's not something you read. It's something that, yeah, I failed at that too. Let me tell you that story. And, and like you were just saying, you can either learn by what you see, read, and hear, or you can learn by failure. Yeah. All right. And now what you see, read, and hear, we hear Paul say things like in the scripture when you read it and it says, I'm trying to take up what's lacking in the cross for you. Right. That means I love you enough to where I want you to listen to me to where you don't have to keep failing mm -hmm. through the victory of the cross. I'm trying to teach you something so you don't have to experience it. Right. No, nope, I'm going to go experience it. Yeah. I mean, there are no, <laughs> there are knuckleheads like that. I'm one of them. And, and most of my stories are, yeah, yeah. Uh, I understood that after <laughs> I did this and this and this. Yeah. And, and, and so yes, Romans 14 is my, my favorite 
scripture um, reference to that, mm-hmm. where there's those with weak faith and there's those with strong faith, right? And literally the ones that you would think, oh, they're so strong, they don't they don't go yeah, they, they actually, go to church it's, on it's Sunday, opposite. yes, and they and they eat everything and they fast and it's like no, actually they're the weak faith because they think doing those things or earning them something that God has already given them as a gift. Right. The strong faith is to be freed from that. Mm-hmm. But yet not to destroy the person that says, hey, you should do that. Don't argue with them. Say, okay, yeah, you do that, and I'll do that around you. Mm -hmm. But I'm not hemmed up by that because it says, who are you to judge another master's servant? Right. Um, There's the problem. You ought to do this, and you ought to do that. Okay, you're not a servant anymore. Now you're a master. Right. And now you've set yourself outside that right relationship. But if I understand when I hear you that you're at a certain place inside of your walk with the only one and true God, and I can hear enough of that, when I hear strengths and weaknesses, I should be able to maintain a open communication without it leading to anger. Yeah. And and, but I'm not saying I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying it won't happen. I, I know that I'll fail again that way. But we're talking about things we love without holding on to loving each other. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, and taking it back to like Jordan Peterson, I think he's been really interesting because if you track his lectures and things like that, they ask him about God and stuff like that. And then he, he sort of kind of doesn't really want to answer the question in his first little, you know, his first, first times it's brought up to him. He doesn't really want to answer it, but I find it even more interesting because he says when he started up going in church he went to church but then he got out of it because he just he was the one kid going well what about and no one could answer his questions so of course it led him away from the church he starts reading all these dead guys and he's like man that's really interesting that's interesting but he starts seeing these these common thread throughout all the literature that he's reading and now he's talking about god even more to the point that he's done that biblical series on him and all that and coming at it from a going to the scriptures with that philosophical insight that he sort of sort of has you know a lot of philosophy that he talks about and the psychiatry and all that but the more that he tracks the story and the more that he goes into it he actually starts hitting on the convergent where the order is inside of the chaos and that is that's god to him so he's still like the story is what is the transcendent hope and he's i pray that he's getting that insight into it and that god's calling him calling him into that but of course you know that's the point is that it runs all the way throughout history and just like you were talking about a second ago with the religious people assuming the role of authority when the christians were in rome and they were first being it was becoming to be a big movement around they actually went to the jewish synagogues and did all the orthodoxy and all that and the jewish leaders were actually telling the christians no y'all got to do this or you're not a part of this and that was actually so the Christians were trying to bridge that gap there and be no like y'all are the chosen people but we've been invited in as well we're one body and the Orthodox you know Christians were basically saying or the Orthodox Jews were basically saying no you got to do this or you're not in you're not a part of this and eventually it created a separation between them and I thought it was super interesting because I was like well, that's a reoccurring theme throughout here, except it's not Jews and Christians. It's Christians and Christians. They're like, well, you don't do the things that we do, so you, you got to get out. But it's the same spirit. And, and, I mean, that gets back to Jesus when the Pharisees and John, the Baptist disciples, come to him and say, hey, we fast, and yeah. they fast. Why don't your disciples fast? And he's like, um, because you fast to get God closer to you, and I, I'm making God 
to be available inside of you. So they they don't have a reason to fast. Yeah, but then, like, he, then he says, you know, you don't sew two garments together because they'll tear. Right. And you don't fill two wine skins with new wine because it'll expand and burst. Right. The Orthodox Jew is in Judaism. Yeah. That's without the Savior, right. doesn't need the Messiah. Right. And they work their way to it. Right. So here you are, brand new Christian. You go to an Orthodox Jew. What have they got to teach you? Jewish orthodoxy. Yeah. All right. That's not a surprise. It's not like, no. oh, and then those dirty Jews came with their orthodoxy no. that they always had. And it's like, okay, no, no that's who they are. And right. that's where you're at. Mm -hmm. So when you go into an environment that they see and know it differently, you're the mediator. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you go in there and you're like, oh, no, you guys need to do it my way. Yeah. Even though we look back and we say, hey, look, the works were not the point. That had to be mediated into by those that were willing to be a messiah correct um now we reverse it today mm -hmm. and you've got oh man you receive your full salvation you don't have to do anything jesus did it all just sit back there in the back and wait for him to come back he could come back this week <laughs> i mean I, that's been preached for a long time yeah to where the kingdom of god has suffered the consequence because that's not the message of the bible and mm -hmm. it's certainly not you don't have to because he said i didn't come to abolish but to fulfill in those who share and do right. this 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 relationship are going to be those that are known greatly in the kingdom, not because of anything you've done, but but what you've allowed me to do through you. Because mm -hmm. I'm the vine, he's the vine dresser. The mm -hmm. Holy Spirit will flow through you as a branch. Right. But the thing you need to learn is you're a branch right now. Right. All right. And and when when we start to see that, we say, okay, so you have the spirit of you've been forgiven. Don't mm -hmm. do any works because <laughs> if you do any works, you're going to give it up. Yeah. Well, you rewind to the beginning and they're saying, hey, hey, if you're not going to live it out, then you're not telling the truth. And that's not what we do here. Right. It's the same old thing ever since the beginning. Yeah. And what what is it? It's to bring it together instead of tearing right. it apart. Right. And, and, and that's what Jesus did is he came as a Jew mm -hmm. available unto the Gentile yep. in the right timing. Because yep. he told that one woman, I ain't here for you yet. Yeah. I'm here for the Jew. Mm -hmm. But she said, I have faith and even the dog eats the scraps. And he says, woman, like Peter with the, the Cornelius, well, I guess we can't withhold the water from her because <laughs> the Holy Spirit's changed him. He looks at that woman and says, that's the faith that I'm here to try and say, to share. And that's the faith that's going to get you into the eternal kingdom. Right. You've got it already, and that's a gift from God. Oh, yeah. thankfulness, completeness, now live it out. And, you know, just right. like the woman that was caught, whether or not it's, you know, interjected or whatever, right. he says, go and sin no more. So you're like, well, if that's like, if she can't sin anymore, then it really didn't matter because, you know, by like, I don't know, an hour later, yeah, she sinned according to God's standards. Oh, so yeah. that's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't find your identity in your life in this secular world, selling uh -huh. yourself unto others. Live for the one that's given you forgiveness. Right. None of it is rocket science. No, I think we want love I, changes. I think I think we want to make it more more difficult or more spiritual or whatever whatever we, the word. We want to make it more than what it actually is. We though. want control. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's. Which is very fair to say. I think a lot of people want control, and we all want control. Well, yeah, but the worst part is, a lot of people won't admit that they want control, though. And I think that's probably like I, I, I know that I that I want it, right. but I know that I can't sustain it. I could, I would only be able to walk out of the fullness of. I can only, I can only walk in the fullness of what God has done. If it, if it rests on my shoulders, <laughs> we're, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, I mean, and I think that, but that was like, 
it was crucial for me to come to that realization in a sense though, that because I mean, it is important to realize that if you put rest it all on your shoulders, first of all, why, why do you want it all on your shoulders? Secondly, do you honestly think you're going to be able to see this through a big dog? <laughs> I mean, that's just, I mean, this is down to brass text and that's just asking, asking better questions as you're going. And the more it's put in front of you, it's sort of like, no, nah, no, I'm good. I'll have a hard pass on that one, big Dan. So let's get into this right here. So how can we as believers tell the difference if our understanding as interpreters is unclear? Is there a way to tell and are there specific scriptures that draw a line in the sand when it comes to the uh, secular and sacred? Once again, I would still go back to Romans 14. If you're looking for like exact scripture, um, he talks about the weak being the ones that believe that they eat anything. Uh, they only eat vegetables and that they, there are certain days that they set aside as sacred and other people don't. Wherever you are, be where you are for, with, and in him, because then the relationship's alive and the Holy Spirit is able to renew your mind to where you no longer conform to the patterns of where you came from because you're growing. Yeah. That piece of scripture, 14 through, 14, one through, I'll just tell you what, just read the whole chapter, read chapter 14. <laughs> um, that way I don't mess up and, and stop too short because <laughs> there may be something at the bottom that, that, that speaks to you. Absolutely. But ultimately, other places in scripture will say, I mean, whether you're living, live to the Lord, whether you're dying, die to the Lord, but everything you do, do unto the Lord, whether yeah. you eat, you drink, or, or, you know, do it unto the Lord. If that starts to grow inside of you, number one, you're thankful. Mm -hmm. Number two, you always have a foundation to not sink. Yeah. And, you know, we, we think about Peter and how he looked away and he starts to sink and Jesus grabs his hands. And, and ultimately, every believer, when you start to sink because of bad decisions or because of misunderstandings or be, because of whatever it is that God is allowing you to walk through as a father, possibly even pruning you or disciplining you, it still is for you and it has a purpose. And no matter what, you can always repent and return to the finished work of the assurance of the Son for the glory of the Father, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that settles you in a place of repentance. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't change your circumstances, doesn't change your situation. I'm not right. saying that it's genie in a bottle and God's going to do this or that. That's not coming mm -hmm. out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. What I am saying is, whatever you're going through, God's allowing it for a purpose. And inside of that, even when you don't know what to do, you know what he's done. And you can be thankful. And you can have faith. And you can only have faith when you come to that spot of not knowing. And, and, and I mean, it, it, it becomes very, very, at the, found, at, the, at the base level is I don't ever have to not, not have an answer. Now, that doesn't mean I... I don't ever not like the answer. It doesn't not, right. it never mean that I don't, I, it, it means in the end, God's God. That's true. Mm -hmm. The gospel is that he loved me and he's changed me. And the struggle sometimes is more evidence than the assuring message that I can share. Right. And, and that, 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 that'll hold you through the dark night. 
that most Christians pretend or at least try to not focus on is coming for everyone. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's because sometimes the blessing is, is just knowing that God has you and that you're in, you know, you're in God's hands. I mean, sometimes that's, that's really what you need. And, and, and also at the same time, coming back, going back to the control thing and stuff like that, when it seems so crazy and and chaotic, you know, I, I basically come to the place where I go, you know, God, you're going to have to hold me. You're going to have to hold me like a kid right now because I don't, I don't know how to fix it, and I don't know any of that, but I do know that you know who I am, and I know who you are, and right now that's going to have to be enough, and I trust you, and I'm thankful that in this circumstance, in this situation, that I can go to you and know that I'm in a, I'm in a sacred and a safe and a safe place with you because at the end of the day, the only thing that this world can ever ever do is take away my stuff and take away my life but forever my soul will be yours and I'll be with you in heaven if they take it all away from me because you're operating from that place of I'm already seated in the heavy, heavenly places already doing things for the for the glory of the Lord thankful thankful heart you just have to re you have to refo- reshift your focus and, you know, get back to him and you focus on the things that are good. Not, not just cause I mean, if you want to make it miserable, you can make yourself more miserable by, by just thinking about the things that are awful. I mean, it's not that hard to do. I mean, anyone can throw a pity party for themselves, but the true, the true gift and thing to be thankful for is in the muck in the mire. You can say, I'm not the guy who built his house on sand. I built it on a rock on a firm foundation and you're that foundation. And I trust you and I'm relinquishing control of this to help me out for the betterment of your, your glory and your kingdom. And as you go and try to get the navigate through all of that, God will direct your path. I think one of the biggest things is we just end up sitting on our hands sometimes. And that's what we've told people to do inside of church and wait for Jesus to come back and get you. And he's saying, he told all the disciples, Follow me. Spend some time with me. Well, maybe that's the first step you should take. Spend a little time with him instead of focusing on how bad your situation is, and you might find some, you might find some positives inside of it. At least be able to get up off the couch or off your bed and start moving again. Because the problem is, somebody sold you a lie that the gospel is about you. Yeah. Um, Jesus isn't coming back for you. The gospel's not about you. And as soon as you make it about the individual you end up with the dark night of the soul that you aren't going to be prepared for. And what I mean by that is this. If you think that Jesus is going to come back for you, you're eventually going to get to a point in your life where everyone in your life appears to be against you. Yeah. You're that it's possible that inside of, the United States, we go into a really, really, really hard depression or a great depression, or you live through the tribulation, whatever it is, I promise you this, if you think that the gospel is about you and Jesus is coming to get you, and when things go really, really bad to you, you're going to think God is mad at you too, because remember, God's just coming back for you. So why would God allow these bad things to happen to me unless he's mad at me and everyone else is now mad at me because they're struggling with me, but they're not used to struggling any more than I am. And now not only am I in the struggle with others not being able to love because of the struggle, I think the struggle is a 
punishment from a God that was supposed to be about me. And that's not the God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So like when you look in the Old Testament and you've got this God that people say, oh, I don't like that God. Well, that's the real God. And the real God says, no, 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 you already deserve to be stoned. Mm-hmm. Every one of us, if you look at it close enough, you deserve. Now, 100%. here's the thing. If we stoned five or six and they got on the news, yeah, whatever we're stoning people for, it's going to slow down. Oh, yeah, they're going to quit doing that. All right, because they understand the penalty or the cost. Mm-hmm. But the cost is death. Yeah. And God is saying, no, eternal death is what everyone all deserve. Right. Whether it's out of you know Babel in, in Genesis 11 or whether you want to go to John 3 where it says, no, no, Jesus didn't con- come to condemn anyone. Everyone is condemned already, mm-hmm. and Jesus' name is plucking those out by grace in a way that you don't deserve. Right. With that being the gospel— when you go through the hard times, it's almost like honoring what you've always deserved, and now you get to go through that finally for his name because of all the good things he's already given you. Right. With a thankful heart, you get to go through hard times looking forward in hope to when these things aren't so. Right. But the other way around is, man, I feel good. Jesus is all about me. But <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not going to be the end of the story. I mean, no. I, you, dying is not pretty and it's not easy. And no matter what, well, the dying is easy. The getting to the death, all yeah, of the fear the and part. all of the struggle and all of the pain and all of the age and all of the other people that you lose and the world doing what it does and all of that temptation of the truth that this is a fallen world and it is not the way God created it mm-hmm. for us. You're playing this game of, well, not me. He loves me and I'm I, he's for me. It's like, He's for us. Right. And as soon as you enter the kingdom, you have to die to thinking in the individual self. Yeah. It's not I, me, it's we, me. And right. and, and when that <clears throat> the only reason I say this the way that I'm saying it right now, trust me, is for you to hear the encouragement and the warning in it that don't play that game of it's my Jesus. Right. It, he is the father's. Messiah, his name is Jesus, and he made a way unto all his children. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as the unique son other than the one unique son, right. which is Jesus the Christ. Mm-hmm. We are all equally blessed. We're all equally des- uh, dependent on grace. We are all equally jacked up Yeah, to where if you look at the drug addict and say, oh, I mean, at least I'm not like him. There's literal parables about what you're doing. I mean, like <laughs> literally you could read that literally if that man or woman is struggling and is crying out in their heart and you don't even hear it, they are more justified than in your pride looking at that person that's struggling and not caring enough about their struggle to say, well, God, thank God I'm not him. Right. And, and, and <laughs> without, because you've justified your sin. Right. These are all secular things that have a sacred truth behind them mm-hmm. and the, the to me i've always said this and i'm sure i've read it so it's, i'm not saying it's original with me but something that i say to myself a lot is when you see the life is being lived it's the surface of everything going on underneath it right so well i was, I was saying and i had a point and then i totally oh yeah i was gonna say 
isn't doesn't Paul talk about that that what you were talking about though? You were saying that the law just shows us how we're all condemned, basically. I mean, that's Galatians, like, yeah. Yeah, he was saying that that's that's what the law does. The law shows you how much we we need him and how much we are you know left to our own devices would be separate from him. But then you go into Romans, you know, one one two and three, and they talk about God being the just and the justifier. So that's the whole point. But if you don't if you don't realize that you are in in need. Well, I mean, there's pretty quick tests you can do to figure out that you definitely need someone to rescue you from from really yourself and from your own understanding and all that. Because one way or another, I mean, the way we have with with the way the world is now, there's some dude that you can find on the internet who's saying the things publicly that you may think, but you don't want to say, and you'll get behind that. And you may even confuse that to think that it's sacred teachings, but really it's a part, it's completely, it's secular because it's the void of all the things that we actually need. And it's just presented in a way that, hey, this guy, this guy really thinks like I do. Well, we've already, we've already established that you could be sincerely wrong and you could follow someone who's sincerely wrong. So you would be by default sincerely wrong as well. So there's multiple places that Paul addresses it, but in Romans 7, it says this in 7-7, Romans 7-7, What then shall we say that law is sin? By no means, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. Right. For what would I have known, for what, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Right. But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Mm-hmm. Apart from the law, sin leads or sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death for me. Mm-hmm. For sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. Mm-hmm. Now here's the verse I even went back here for is verse 12. So the law is holy, mm-hmm. and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Mm-hmm. Did that which is good then bring death to me by no means? It was sin producing death. All right, but what he just said was this. And number one, law, this is where wisdom is important. If you were just at home and you read that in your English translation and right. you're looking at it, it says one thing. And it's a great, place, a great place to start, but keeping the law sounds like what I do. Right. And that is not what he's talking about. Mm-mm. But he's talking about the Torah, the law, the the instruction, the wisdom of God. And he's saying, okay, so should we say the wisdom of God is evil because it led to this crushing of my heart? Right. He's like, by no means, if I didn't know that wisdom of God, I never would have realized I'm coveting. Right. But when I didn't realize it, I didn't have to worry about it. Didn't bother me a bit. I was good to it. Yep. But then when I did realize it and I came to life in it, Mm -hmm. it actually turned around and killed me because the truth is, yes, you're a coveter. Mm -hmm. So if you go back and you like look at the rich young ruler and the guy's like, uh, or or, or even, yeah, I mean, the rich young ruler does it too, but there's another guy that comes to Jesus and Matthew and he's like, "Um, so what do I do to gain eternal life? He's like, well, you know, how do you read the the law? He's like, oh, the Ten Commandments, I do them all. Yeah, I kept and, all those, man. And he doesn't correct them. He says, good, if you're doing that, you're in. You're yeah. going to have eternal life. Yeah. Now, ultimately, we go into a lot of different rabbits with that, but what he did say is, okay, so if you don't believe you covet, you'll get in. But nobody doesn't covet, so there's that. <laughs> now, he doesn't have to argue with him, and he doesn't have to enter into it, but right. 
if we take Paul or the rich young ruler when he comes to Jesus, mm-hmm. he says, well, why don't you get rid of your riches? And the guy walks away upset. But which one did he fail? Coveting his oh, riches. Yeah. So if you say, and this is why we like control, getting back to the control question is, why do we do that for control? Because if you lose control, God's going to ask for the one thing you're not willing to give because that's the one thing that he wants because that's what it re- it takes to renounce all things to be my disciple. Right. Right? So when, he, when you look at it and you're like, well, I mean, I'll do this, this, and this, and that's better than most. What about that? Bam. Um, no, that's not going to work. Coveting is the only one you can't see. Right. So, you know, if I steal, I know that I stole because I got something that I stole. Right. There it is in my hand, or I know that I stole it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be your reputation, but I got your reputation. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, you, it's something that you is, is known. Right. Coveting can go on and you not know it. I mean, so if you take Paul, and Paul says in, in, in Hebrews where he's like, I think it's Hebrews, where he does the list of, you know, according to my lineage and according to me being a Pharisee of Pharisees, according to everything, I, I've done it all. Right. He says he kept the law perfectly. But if he kept the law perfectly, the part of the law that crushed him was right here. He says, okay, I kept the law perfectly, but when I learned what it meant to covet, I realized I covet my perfection. Yeah. And it condemned me because it's holy. Right. So then I realized I'm no different than anyone else, and it put me on equal footing, and I realized I'm the chief sinner because I've been killing people I thought were wrong while I was just as wrong in front of God. And then you enter into relationship. But I'll stop rambling. But that that's that is that's that's the difference in Christianity and religion. Religion is working your way to God. No, religion is working your way to God. That's what you said. Christianity is God making making it available to us. Or God's God. works have plucked us out, yeah, or yeah. God's works is what we fall in love with, not our own, but that his. Sounds better. Um, and that's, that's still misquoting it because, I mean, Josh McDowell is the one that originally right. was the one that put it in front of me. And, and he has a quote out there. If you want to, you know, Josh McDowell, difference between Christianity and religion, you'll come up with his quote. Yeah, if you want the exact quote, right. we're paraphrasing. But an, another brother in life giving a bullet for your gun, you know. <clears throat> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's somebody's probably said it better, you know, and then and that's like, yeah, I like I like the way he said it better. But we were on the same. Yeah, you just found the words or whatever. So the next thing I want to ask is, is you have said earlier on, on an episode about instead of getting baptized again and rededicating your life, we should live inside of the baptism that we didn't fully grasp at the time. Is this a misunderstanding of a sacred moment? Sacred and secular. Mm-hmm. If I was baptized once. Mm-hmm. And it had a sacred <clears throat> impact because I, I can't say understanding because I could understand it and it not have the true impact that a sacred right uh, uh, sac- a sacrament should have right and, that, and that's kind of what I'm that's kind of what I'm getting at because what I'm getting at is you see this a lot with people inside of the churches and stuff like they they get saved when they're like let's say thirteen or whatever then mm-hmm. they go and they live their entire twenties you know as a you know hellraiser and all those doing all sorts of debauchery and all that, and then they come back, or not come back to the faith, but realize that they have gone, slipped further and backslidden, I think is the way that people put it now. They have backslidden, so then they reorient themselves to their relationship with God. They repent, and then they realize, well, I need to get rebaptized again, because last time, obviously, it didn't work. Where I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, well... 
the way that you put it, really we need to live in what we did when we were 13 that we just didn't understand and we kind of got caught up with the world because we didn't prioritize or fully grasp what that what that moment was so i'm trying to understand i'm I'm asking is what's the misunderstanding there like what are we not what are we not getting what what i would share is this what we're what we normally don't get is god's perspective Mm. Um, because normally we start with our own right and, and and then we say okay i got baptized but then i did this and i fell away and then i don't deserve it and when i read the scripture this is what i think it says this is what i got out of it this is what it means to me mm-hmm. but it, you're not looking at it from god's perspective because number one somebody hasn't lifted your chin like jesus did the woman caught in adultery and lift up her chin and say, listen, who's here that matters if I forgive you? Yeah. All right. Now, if you look at the Old Testament and you're like, look at all these laws and all this about death, it's because God was jealous for his people. Mm -hmm. So it would be the same thing as, oh, Eric sure is unloving because when you pick on his daughter, he beats your tail. Well, no, if you pick on my daughter, you ought to know I'm going to beat your tail because that's my daughter. Right. So when he is so harsh, it's to protect his children because he's jealously in love with you. Mm-hmm. And it sounds harsh if you're not looking at it through the father's intentional loving eyes. Right. Because it's for you, not against you. Right. I want you to know the truth so that so, so. If you were baptized at the age of, I don't know, so then you get into the pedo baptism yeah, and the yeah, believer's yeah. baptism. And here's the thing. If, if you believe in believer's baptism, then you want baby dedication. Yeah. Which is basically pedo baptism just with a piece of paper instead of water. Yes. So in other words, hey, you're, you're now responsible for your child's spiritual health, and so is the church, and mm-hmm. this is a you know baby confirmation. Right. All right, but when they christen them, they're saying inside of this calling of them hopefully being a child of Christ, we now sprinkle or do whatever it is, usually pay to because they don't want to dunk an infant in a tub, but usually it's sprinkling. Either way, what they're saying is in hope of the love of God, we're placing our faith, faith, hope, and love. Now the grace, all right, Right. we're, we're doing this as a body together, challenging their immediate family. Right in hope that this baptism proves itself true. Right. All right? So that's pedio. Yeah. Believer's baptism. On profession of faith, Uh I now immerse you in your confession, Mm -hmm. totally submerged in the grave, go in alone, come out, united with Christ, can never be separated. Right. All right. Now, if you go and you live never thinking about God again, Mm -hmm. after being immersed in your confession, and there's no evidence of fruit, and it doesn't break your heart that you're not who you're supposed to be, and you're not actually looking forward to being part of all the things that he's now saying, oh, no, you are mine. These are your rules because of you are mine. And you're like, none of that matters. I gave you a bath, mm-hmm. and you were fully underwater. You just didn't have your snorkel. Yeah, It's no different than swimming. It's no different than taking a bath. Right. There's no magic in the water because right. it's not sacred. Mm-hmm. But if it was sacred, mm-hmm. I don't care if you were seven days old or you were 70 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't, 
I shouldn't say I don't care. I will say that the Didache that is written when John would have been the the priest over the uh, uh, the church in Ephesus, he said living water primarily. Yeah, hey, if you got it and you can get to it, do it that way. Living water is a way to be baptized. But if you can't, yeah, do it in a cold water. But but if you can't get to the do it in a hot tub. But if you can't get in it, sprinkle whatever you got to do. Yeah, let them know that this sacred door has been opened by the blood of Jesus Christ for them to wash away their sins through the work that He's done for the glory of His Father Yahweh to right. receive the new mind of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and sacredly enter into it. Now, if they enter into it, Ephesians says things like, "I don't know. This is the Bible." There's one body, there's one Holy Spirit, there's one hope, there's one calling, there's yep. one Lord, there's one faith, and there it is, there's one baptism. Yep. There's one God and Father of all, Yahweh, who is over all and in all, and grace is given to each one of us according to the measure of Jesus Christ's gift. Mm-hmm. Okay, so inside that relationship, I was sprinkled when I was seven days, and this isn't true for me, but I say I had been sprinkled at seven days old. And then you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit changing my mind through my failures to where it doesn't return void and I return to it. And I'm like 30 years old and I come back and I'm like, let me tell you about all the things that God has laid on my heart. And I always knew that I was struggling with this. And now that I'm returning to or repenting to the work of God, I think I should be you know, fully immersed off the profession of my confession. All I'm baptizing you in is what you've already had back there because you've been his since the foundation of the earth according Mm -hmm. to the scripture according to ephesians 1 right he's always known you your name has always been in the lamb's book of life right you are just now returning to who you've always been Mm. or you're making another false profession (laughs) or you're making a confession that's not true or you 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 know you're trying to get your wife back and you're just trying to look really good in front of the church so that you can get forgiven or or whatever the little and and that's not for anyone in in the house to judge that's between you and god right so Will I rebaptize somebody? Yes. Will we have this conversation before I do it? You better believe it because mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason to be baptized a second time. If you've been baptized, you're just now realizing what God has always known. Right. It had its effect back there. You ran away from it and right. now you're re-entering into it, which is repentance. Now that you're re-entering into it, let's talk about the things that it requires that Hey, if you've wasted 10 years, let's catch up 10 years right quick. If you wasted 30 years, let's let's catch up 30 years right quick. You failed here and here and here, mm-hmm. and maybe your children are grown. Or, thank God he changed you, and you still have this time with your children. Or how, however that applies to right. where you're at, there is a, there's definitely a returning, a repentance, a reconnection, reestablishment. Right. But I don't see in the scripture, in my opinion, a, a need, much less... I should say it the other way around. I don't see a command, much less a need mm-hmm. for a rebaptism. Just like a remarriage, you can go through and redo your vows mm-hmm. because your vows may have changed as far as why you love each other and the things that have moved, but the sacredness hasn't. Right. When what he put together, put no man aside. Oh, we're gonna get together again. Well, that includes you. Yeah. You know, you, you, what God put together, you don't get to separate and then put back together. Right. It, it was either one thing or it's not that one thing. Right. And the only thing that makes it sacred is it's one thing. Right. So hopefully, hopefully that clarifies at least my position with it is whatever it is that you work out later in life, you're just understanding who God has always singularly been. Right. And that's what makes it sacred. Right. So basically you're saying that the baptism in itself, if it was from God been established since before the foundations of the earth that it that it's a sacred moment whether you realize it at 13 or at 7 or 70 
then it doesn't really matter. But if if that didn't happen and then you do enter into it later in life, then you just need to live out of the baptism that took a little bit later than the one that you did earlier in or earlier in your life because that one wasn't the wasn't the sacred moment. So God makes the moment sacred, not not necessarily us or our interpretation of it. Because you'll hear people say, well, when you're baptized, it gives you the ability to be held accountable to what the witnesses watched you do and right. the profession that you made. Right. And that could be at seven days old with your parents and the priest in, in the congregation. Yeah. The congregation has something to, I would not say hold you accountable. I would say remind you of. Yeah. Because the only thing that makes you accountable is what God was doing. That's right. the sacred part. So when right. I, if it's a believer's baptism, I'm already accountable before I get wet. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now you get to hold me in remembrance of what I made a public profession of right. in believer's baptism. I'm right. good with that. It's just words matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just like if I, the sprinkling, mm-hmm. all, all the, the, the heartbeat behind what's being said through that presentation of that sacred sacrament Mm -hmm. is by the sprinkling of the blood of Christ and the water of the living water, you know, the living water, right? Your parents in this church are now called into a relationship to try and steward the faith that we hope you have. Right. And then God will make the truth known. Yeah. Well, I mean, God's going to make the truth known to you. I mean, really, because at the end of the day, the church is just hoping that it actually, that the baptism air quotes here, took. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically what you're saying. Getting back to you only being accountable to God. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's 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 either going to naturally flow out of you if it was actually truly sacred, and if it wasn't, then, well, you should, you can tell by the way that you live your life. And I think, I mean, that's the one thing I can say, though, is that a lot of people who have been a part of that sacred moment and then maybe moved away from church because of the secular world that we have and all of that. And then the secular world's taking it to a level that they weren't ready for. And they're like, man, we got, we got to go back to church, bro. We've gotten too far away from, from where we're actually being. And God's using it as a wake up call to say, Hey, you, you were a part of a sacred moment and you haven't really been living that out. But now that you're surrounded by the secular, you can see that there is a line in the sand and you should know where you're at. And it looks to me like you're straddling it. And I'm not a big fan of that. And I like, hopefully I've already said, I wouldn't tell you, I won't rebaptize you. Right. I, won't, I, won't, you I, I won't remarry you. Cause that, that's not true. And where I would have my biblical stance on that is, Timothy and Titus, you know, circumcision. Right. All right. Circumcision was the outward cutting of the inward cutting of the heart that was supposed to be both and and put in proper tension. Right. All right. If you have the outward cutting and not the cutting of the heart, then you were just a people mm-hmm. of Israel, but you weren't actually a child of God, you know, right. Galatians. All right. But if you say, hey, I came from a tradition that sprinkled. Mm-hmm. And then I've fallen in love with being part of a Baptist congregation. Right. And I don't feel like the sprinkling was <clears throat> the believer's baptism. I need to be dunked. I would like to be in the same you know, thread as everyone else. Right. If me and you are talking, I'm going to say, hey, as far as you coming alongside with the application and those holding you accountable to the same baptism, mm-hmm. that's fine, but you're not changing your status with God. Right. We're that's not, what should be more important than anything, though. And, and, and 
okay, in baptism, it's easier to, it's harder to see, but inside of marriage, mm -hmm. then why would I have a remarriage or do new vows? You're not getting married again, but you're saying, hey, yeah. in our marriage, I was so young, I didn't understand it, that now that we are 40 years senior and I still have the people that I love, I want them to hear my new vows. I want them to hear what I've learned inside this sacred message. Right. But you're not getting any more married. You are actually <laughs> right. just making known to the witnesses yeah. the things that you've grown into. So, I mean, if you came and you said, I think I've grown into understanding immersion being the way that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And I was sprinkled, but I would love to be baptized as Jesus was baptized. I mean, right. I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, no, that's not, That's absolutely fine, but right. that does not make you any more saved. That does not make you any more godly. That does yeah. not make you any more like Jesus. Yeah, like you're not getting a cape after this baptism. You're not super Christian now. Just the heart behind it. You know, in other words, yeah. just the, the thought process. So there's, no, there's nothing wrong with it. It's more like almost like for their own, for their own peace of mind in a sense than it is for... But I think it's under... I mean, it... I think it'd actually be a totally different conversation if you're like, you know, this doesn't change your status with God, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. I just, I just, uh, now that I think about it, I want, I want to be dunked. I don't want to be sprinkled. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's what you want to do, we can do it. As long as the person that's doing, that's presiding, that's administering it. Yeah. Is doing it biblically inside of the sacredness of. Right. The assurance is already there. Uh -huh. If this is something you want to do, it would be no different than Bible study or something like that. That's right. going to draw you closer. Like when we take communion, it's, right. you know, you're not going to take communion and get closer to God. You're taking communion as a profession and a partaking right. of a greater understanding as you go. Mm -hmm. I, I would put it in that same field of classification. Yeah. So I just want to, before, and I, we may have already talked about this earlier but since we're coming to a close here i just want to ask this again and then we can so that way it gets to the forefront of your mind a little bit so just forgive us if you remember this um if you remember this from before in our conversation but so we don't only consider sacred moments having to do with like the christian the christian faith the sacred moments can be also to another god or whatever deity some some person wants to believe in we can't we don't nece necessarily say that that is secular just because they're not in a relationship with our god okay so you're talking about the unbeliever and that's that the key word i was correct waiting yeah. for you to say okay yeah. so for an unbeliever mm -hmm. sacred things could be considered i mean secular things could be considered sacred unto them okay um because if you're it literally in today's passage inside of the sermon, it says you can't serve two gods. You're going to serve one or the other. Right. You're going to either serve God or mammon. Mm -hmm. But that means that mammon, money, right. can be served. Yeah. Well, that's totally secular to us as far as, hey, money is secular. Right. But if somebody worships that secular item for the spiritual protection provision, yeah. um, then they're making that sacred in their heart. Right. Which gets back to when Jesus says, you are a temple. He wasn't just speaking to believers. He's saying, no, no, you are created as a temple and you are filled with a God because you are spiritual. So it's like a truth claim. It goes for the believer, the unbeliever. We were created for the resonance and the unity of God. Okay. And if that's empty, it's mm -hmm. filled by something. 
someone. Uh, interesting. So just like the parable where, you know, the guy, you know, gets cleaned out by the one, but then many come in and, and he's in worse shape than he was to begin with. Right. Because if you don't fill the house with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and you just empty it by your own understanding. In other words, if you go to church and you agree cognitively with, hey, you know, I don't want to go to hell. Sounds pretty good. I'll go to heaven. Yeah. All right. But that's not like brokenhearted, contrite, actual saving faith. So that's that, There's a huge difference between I want to go to heaven versus I realize that I deserve to go to hell. Okay. But the gospel is the one that you, it's the same gospel that somebody got saved to your left listening to mm-hmm. that you heard mm-hmm. emotionally. Y'all look the same. Right. Emotionally, y'all sounded the same. Mm-hmm. And you even continue to learn Christianese because you want to keep believing in what you cognitively or emotionally, or both, and really both, happened that morning. Right. So you clean up the things that you used to do that you know you're not supposed to do now through the Christian understanding of the church, the commonwealth of the church. Yeah. All right. So now I don't do that anymore. And I don't do that anymore. But if you hear, more and more pride is growing because I don't do that and I don't do that yeah. and you shouldn't do that. And what you need to do is this. And then well, I'll tell you right now, you're going to go to hell. Well, and and, and yeah. it can progressively becomes these other, other demons, spirits of judgmentalness, of superiority, of wanting to be like the most high. Not in yeah. other people's lives. No, no, no. In yours because you're going to church only to make yourself feel better because you're the all-star. Right. Instead of going to church because you've been called to be part of the body and mm. it's all about his glory. And now that's a very dangerous game because how many in the church are actually there because they're brokenhearted and thankful for the fact that they know what God has done and right. continues to do because right. they're not changing at such a speed versus, oh, I mean, I, at least I go to church. Right, right, right. I mean, my kids, they do this and this, and you should see what John Snuffy. And the other day, you know what I talked to so-and-so, and you know what they said? And you're like, <laughs> okay, so that's like slander. Okay, check. And that's gossip. Okay, check. And that that's pride. Okay, check. And and and, and then if you say it to them, they're like, oh, I don't even want to hear that. I mean, I said, yeah. And, and you, you try and take them deeper, and they're like, no, 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 no. I mean, I've already been saved. It's like, okay. Explain and tell me about your salvation. Well, you know, when I was seven years old, um, you know, my my sister got baptized, so I wanted to get baptized, so I got baptized. Okay, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Let, and and so we end up in a very weird place, but it's exactly right. why we've got the defeat. We've we've made too many false promises, and the only people that are going to be blamed are the people that made them. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's deep too, though. It's like super deep. I mean, people. Well, they're just not coming to church. But I, but I, I also think at the same time too, it's like a lot of people, like teachers, pastors, and stuff like that. They don't understand the gravity of that. You're responsible for what you teach other people. And just like when you look at the Old Testament, okay, so when I read the Old Testament, you know, this and this and this is what I would deserve. And it's like, okay, but if you lived in the Old Testament times, that probably wouldn't have happened to you because those people wouldn't have been doing those things because they would have been stoned and there would have been other people that kept them from doing that. <laughs> so the scenario right. is birthed out of where you are in time. Right. Is my point. Now, 100, well, I guess I'm getting old. It's 22. 122 years ago, I used to say 100 because it's like 2000. All right, but either way, 122 yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. it was all. Hell and fire and brimstone, and you're going to go to hell if yeah. you don't give your heart to Jesus yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. We still have the. We, let me make sure I say this nicely. We still have those services. We still have 
this approach on All Hallows' Eve where we tried to scare people in by a wrecked car that if you were to get in a wreck tonight, do you want to go to hell? And then, you know, the devil, demons pop out and, what do you want to go to heaven? And the angels come out, oh, I'll go to heaven. All right, so we still have this non-effective scare tactic. Yes. But in the 1900s going in, you know, going into the 1900s, if that was the primary thing being preached, it's the thing that God was still using because it's right. the thing that everyone was having to work their way through inside right. of redemptive history. Yeah. That's a lot different than 2022 doing the same thing. Cause I mean, you sh- it's not what everybody's doing now. It's not all fear-based. Now it's right. more pixie dust and God loves you yeah. and, and he wants to save you and you're going to dance for him. And, and, yeah. and, you know, it's all the streets of gold and prosperity and everything else. All right. Yeah. Now, the same way it was fire, fire and brimstone, he didn't give us a spirit of fear. I don't know. I don't know how First Timothy's two seven. I, I, I don't. It, 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 fast forward. I don't know how prosperity gospel gets preached either. Because it's like, right. okay, but uh, that's not my life. That's your life. No, that's your life. No. Hmm. So the only one that has faith is a pastor. Because the only one that's living up to this is him. Because I, you know, he's got a pretty nice car. <laughs> oh, he he just got mad at us because he doesn't have a new jet. Yeah, he's got four hundred thousand dollars worth of black diamonds on his debt. Yeah, Creflo Dollar or whatever. I don't even Creflo Yeah, whatever his name is. When you read that, you're like, "This is why we are where we are." (laughs) But people with itching ears want to hear that it's all about them and how they're going to be blessed, and they purchase that lie by their money, and it it's empty inside of the suffering inside of the pain inside of the, the truth of what's going on the way that the way that uh, a buddy well the way that Jamie and I described that was is what you're doing is you're 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 preaching a gospel that is void of actual real life so when real life actually happens um the gospel that you got presented doesn't work because it because if you were if you had enough faith and if you had this and if you had that then God would spare you of all of those things and since he's not sparing you that means you don't have enough faith or that means that you've opened a door you've done something uh, this you know this that and another and it's always this, it's just always in, incumbent upon you and what you're doing it's like what it's almost like what God and what Jesus did wasn't enough to protect you from life and it's just like that doesn't make any sense because I live in an actual world that God really created, and uh, guess what? There was all these things are still here. Life still happens, and you telling me that it's not supposed to happen doesn't make any sense, especially when I read the Bible. And guess what? Life happens to them too. I mean, it's 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 extremely it's extremely frustrating, but at the same time too, I, I I've almost gotten to the point where. It refutes itself. If you just if you let people, if you, I've tried to minister to people that are inside of it and you know call them out of it and all that. But people are going to do what they want to do because it sounds wonderful. It's nice. You know, it goes right back to that. God loves me. That's great. I love me. I mean that, and that's where it goes, and that's what it leads to. But at the end of the day, it's never stopped me from being there when somebody goes. So it didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to work out. Now I'm kind of on the fence, and I don't really know what to do. And I go, that's wonderful. I've been there, and you know what? God's there too. God's in the midst of that, and now that it's you realize it's not all about you, you can make it what it's supposed to be about him and his kingdom and his glory. Right. You can live inside of the right relationship now, and that's where we would call that God cutting your legs out from underneath you because what you're doing is you're taking the position of authority, and you're basically looking up at God going, no, it's, it's, it's good, bro. I got this one. 
and we're we're that's not our position. Our position is to be dependent upon him always. You were dependent upon him to to be saved and you're going to be dependent upon him while to be restored, rescued and sanctified. I try to tell people all the time if you think that there is a huge difference between me standing here inside of this church building and the crackhead underneath the bridge who doesn't know who God is, if you think that we don't need him equally, you are deceived. We both need him. And I, and that's that's the reality of the situation. And if you don't have that understanding, then like then you need to go through some stuff and God needs to open up your eyes. And I, you know, I pray that it, that it's not super bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I pray that he spares you through all the things that could possibly happen. I really do. But if that's what it takes, oh, baby, God will make it happen. I mean, and that's what, that's, that's kind of where we get with that. But I want to ask as what I always do. It's become a thing. Now, what can we take away from this conversation and not tear at the seams of the bride, but help encourage one another as we are going? So not tear it seems the bride on the backside of exactly the, you know, the shirt tails or curt tails or coat tails or however you say that on, on, on what you were just saying. Mm-hmm. You only have enough, you, you only have the amount of energy, joy, patience, peace, kindness to be able to be what God wants you to be. And don't spend that on things. Don't give that away to things that is casting pearls in front of swine to where swine will eat the pearl and they will crap it out and they'll never even know the difference because it just was something they took in and they put out. Lovingly, those that are spiritual will continue to generously be able to say to someone, say, just caught up in the scenario you were just talking about, brother, I know that this is going to fail you, mm-hmm. but I want you to hear that I love you and it doesn't change our relationship. And if, and when it fails you, I would love to talk about what that means next mm-hmm. and then move into something that is enjoyable to be in their presence, continue to have a good, uh, open conversation relationship right. to where you're not trying to bash where they are, even though you know where it's going to lead mm-hmm. because God We'll, we'll do what it takes for them to need people. And what you want them to remember is the way that they were handled when you were speaking to them about the thing that they need. Because if they yeah. think that you're a know-it-all and they think that you're going to tell them, ah, ha, ha, they may not come back to you. Right. But if you are that voice that saw it, knew it, spoke clearly into it, but yet did it in a way that they understood one-on-one to the side in the right way, not in front of others. Hey, man, as as you leave, I just want you to know, with the prosperity thing, I disagree with it because the scripture doesn't teach it. Now, the only reason I tell you that is I love you. And if it fails you, I would love to carry on a conversation on the backside. But right now, it doesn't change anything for me and you. I just want you to know that. I, I think it's funny that you say that because basically what you're doing is you're leaving the door open. That's all you're doing. You're just, just know when, whenever, it, whenever it happens that, that, you're still invited. You know, I'm still inviting you into the conversation and I'm not, it's not going to be anything against you. It's going to be for you. I want to, I want to help when you're, when, and if you're ever ready. So let me put it this way. Hebrew says that a father will discipline his children because he loves them. Correct. Church discipline over in the gospel says, if you have a problem with your brother and sister, go to them. And even that inside of proper understanding, isn't you go to them, you go to someone that you both love, Mm-hmm. And have them go to them with your message 
that you would love to sit down with them. That way you're not spurring on the sparks. But without that rabbit any further, you would try to gain them one-on-one without any more disrespect or disregard to your name or theirs for the name of Christ. Right. Now, if that doesn't work and they're like, "Uh uh-uh, yada, 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 then if it's important enough that it's tearing at the seams, then you would go to the leadership of the church and the leadership of the church would then go with you and make it more formal. If that doesn't work, you can take them before the church. And if that doesn't work, you're going to turn them out so Satan can have their way. But it's still with a heart of because we want you to come back when he has his way. It's still right. for them. It's still the father has promised he's going to discipline you if you are really his. Mm-hmm. When I took him to the side, I am literally saying, I know that the father's going to discipline you. Mm-hmm. But I want you to know that if that happens to you and he's your father, he's my father. And I want you to come back and talk to me. And I want yeah. that available to you. And I don't want you thinking I'm the older brother. I want you to know yeah. I'm a prodigal son. Amen. He disciplines me too. And mm-hmm. I want you to know I'd love to have that conversation. And that's the 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 heart of it is I know God's design. I know it's about to happen. Right. I hope that it's not very, very bad. But yeah. the one thing I do want you to know is there is a lifeline. And if you call me, I'll be there. Yeah. Just, just give me a call. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. So before we roll the end credits and all those wonderful things, I wanted to throw it out to everyone and see kind of test the waters a little bit. But we're actually thinking about making shirts so we're trying to figure out who all would be interested in that so you have there are plenty of ways to reach out to us and say if you'd be interested in all that and we'll uh throw some throw a design up that we're thinking about so if people are if anyone out there is actually interested please get in contact with us and let us know but we thank you for joining us today on the podcast we hope that you have taken away information that will help you and challenge you challenge what you believe for the benefit of growing in our walk with God. If you would like to support the ministry, you can join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash faith fleshed out. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at faith fleshed out. If you have any questions or comments or want to get involved, you can contact us at our email. It is faith fleshed out at gmail.com. Once again, that is faith fleshed out at gmail.com. We thank y'all for joining us. We love y'all. Do me a favor. Say bye, Eric. Bye, Eric. We're out.